Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. I am super excited to bring Christy Metcalf back on the line. We had a great conversation on the last episode, so if you missed that, you can uh, go back and listen to that episode. Get yourself caught up. We talked all about her story and how she took this step of faith and uh, went from corporate, the corporate space, a successful corporate career, to the entrepreneurial space and really setting out on her own and some of the things she had to overcome to do that. So it was a great conversation. Go back, check that out. We'll be here when you get back. But just so you know a little bit about Christy, in uh, 2002, she did the unthinkable. She swerved from the perfectly designed corporate plan and made the leap from employee to entrepreneur by starting her first consulting company. And then her mission with then was simple to help organizations perform better and make more money by developing, aligning and coaching their most important asset, which is their people. Then in 2018, she co-founded her second business, which is called Two Smart Girls. And that aims at helping corporate women successfully transition to entrepreneurship. Using everything she learned over the last 20 years in business, she equips them with the right mindset, tools and support to make the leap from corporate cube to CEO. You can find more about her at her website, which is twosmartgirls.com. That's the number two, smartgirls.com. And you can also connect with her on LinkedIn. Those links are in the all in the show notes. But uh, connect with her there and send her a message. She'd love to hear from you. Christy, welcome back. Thanks. It's so nice to be back. It's great Round to have two. you back. Round yes. Two. I mean, I made it to the second round. I feel so honored. Well, I'm just happy that you decided to come back. So sometimes people <laughs> didn't. No, I'm just kidding. But it's good to have you back. I'm glad that we're here again. And I want to get more into your story because we talked a little bit in the last episode. We talked a little bit about possibilities and how stepping out, you know, there's going to be haters, for lack of a better term, that <laughs> sometimes the haters are the people closest to you when you make these yeah. types of decisions. And, you know, it's not always easy to go from, the corporate world to the entrepreneurial world, even though it seems like the sexy thing to do these days. I hear a lot of people who are kind of, maybe it's the circles I run in, but a lot of people are trying to make that shift. But I think a lot of people do it with like one foot in, one foot out. You know, have you seen that where they're like, well, I'll, I'll dabble with this. And if it works, then I'll leave here and go do that. And I see the logic there. But if you're just dabbling, getting it to that level where you can actually make plan B, plan A is really hard to do. It is. Yeah. And, you know, I think the side hustle is what we see a lot of people doing now. It's that one foot in, one foot out. And they're really trying to, I think, do a couple of things. They're trying to build a runway. We call it a runway, right? Trying to take off into their business full time. And it also lets them build a little bit of confidence and make some money as their side business to say, okay, hey, this is a viable option. So, you know, one of the things that's most stressful for people who become entrepreneurs is money. 
and most of them fail to plan well enough for that. So we see people who make the leap and get out into their own business and then money within three to four months becomes an issue because they think they're going to start making money quickly. And some people do and some people don't. But most of the people that we work with coming out of this corporate environment, we talk about the baggage that comes with you because you're, you've been conditioned and trained to be an employee and help someone else's business grow, but not really be the CEO of that company that's looking at all the picture that makes that bis- business be successful. And you know, most of the time, we're very good at the job that we do, but we don't realize that we have other people in other departments, other positions that are there solely to make us successful and help us be success- successful. So we get out into our own company and we don't know how to toot our own horn. We don't know how to create visibility. We don't know how to translate the job that we did over here in the value that we can sell to a, a client somewhere else. We have a hard time networking because we're no not longer networking for a job. We're like networking and putting ourselves out there and talking a different language than we were when we were inside of a company. So there's all of these mental mindset shifts that need to come. There's repositioning what you did so that it adds value in a different way. And they're not prepared for that at all. So they've been a star employee and then they transition and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. And being an employee and a CEO are two entirely different roles. What are some things you did to make that transition for yourself more efficient, more effective? I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) I say that, but you know, it really is. That's how you learn though, right? I do. Yeah. It's, it's been a process, you know, of trial and error. And I will say that one of the things that I see now is I think that because we do have social media, because we do see so many entrepreneurs out there, that there has been this misconception that you can achieve six figures overnight, that you can be making a million your first year. And there are almost unrealistic expectations of what a first year business owner really does and looks like. And we're comparing our beginning to somebody else's middle, right? They may have been doing it 10 years, but you don't see that piece of it. You don't see the struggle and behind the scenes. You just see the success they've created and accomplished now. And we think, oh, we want that. And so I did make a lot of mistakes in the beginning. You know, I I was scared to put myself out there and to really call myself a president. I give this story so often, but probably for the first two years, every single time I did a quarterly tax return and I had to write president at the bottom of that tax return, I was always afraid that the IRS was going to pick up the phone and call me and say, really? Come on. You're not really a president, right? And so a little bit of that fear and imposter syndrome showed up, aligning myself with the right people about where I'm going and truly a vision of where I am and being able to collaborate. You know, so often as women, I'll say this for women, we don't want to tell anybody that we are now a business owner. We want to wait until we're successful to tell people. But if we don't tell them, we're never going to be successful. And so I watch women hold back for the fear of failing. But if they don't fail quickly and early, then two years later, they're still making the same mistakes. So I did learn quickly, fail, pick yourself up, keep going, right? It's just a bump. It doesn't mean disaster. doesn't mean you can't do it. doesn't mean that you're, you're not capable or worthy of it. It just means, okay, you made a mistake. You redirect, you learn from it, you pick yourself back up and you keep going. And I think that that's truly what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. So what you're saying is pretty much everyone's going to fail in some way, shape, or form. So you might as well do it fast and get it out of the way rather than dragging it out. One hundred percent. 
Yes. Yes. If you're afraid of failure, don't do it, right? Corporate life is safe. We are set up to never fail. Think about that, right? Nobody ever fails big. Like people are so afraid that if they stand up to their boss or if they disagree or they go against the grain, they're going to, they're going to get fired. They're never going to get fired. Like it takes an act of Congress to get fired in a corporate job. It really does. There's so much documentation. I mean, you can do the biggies, right? That would get you fired immediately, but for the majority of the people, they're never going to be fired. And so we're so afraid of failing that we really don't even know how to try and be comfortable with failing. And, you know, I read an article that somebody had written on LinkedIn I don't know, about a month ago. And he was talking about, he started his first company when he was in high school so that he could adjust himself to learn what failure felt like. And it wasn't so scary. And now at 33, you know, he has a thriving business, but it was all because he learned how to fail early. And it's not scary and it's not fatal. And it's just part of the process. Mm, That's good. And, you know, I'm one... I've been in some spirited debates over these past thousand some odd episodes that we've done here on the show where I will hold to it until I'm proven otherwise. And I don't think anyone's given me sufficient evidence to prove it yet, but I don't think failure is really a thing. I think failure is a label that we've given certain instances to explain to ourselves why we haven't reached an outcome that we believe we should have reached. Whereas maybe we weren't supposed to reach that outcome specifically. Maybe there's a skill that we just needed to learn. Now we learned it. We can apply it somewhere else. But the point is, I don't like to classify things as a failure because it sounds so negative. If you try something and it doesn't work out, you can still take something from that. You can still learn something and apply it to something else. And to me, that's not really a failure. That's a learning experience. I totally agree. And I think that failure is something we create in our minds right? It, it doesn't really exist. I mean, if you look at professional baseball players, we were talking about how you love baseball. They strike out more than they hit, right? Mm-hmm. They strike out more than they get the home run. So it's all in the way you view it. I think it's about learning and what did you take away from that situation and that you apply it somewhere else. I, I think the true failure, if I could say there's anything that's truly a failure is when you, when you fall down and you can't take that experience and apply it in a different way to be successful. It's where you give up and you say, well, it didn't work over here, so I may not try it over here. You know, if we look at the people who fail, I always think of Colonel Saunders as my my go-to, right? He tried so many businesses and failed and was suicidal and ready to throw in the hat, had been fired from multiple jobs. And then when he was like 82 years old, he had this business that's still a legacy today. And that really is a true testament to not giving up right? To keep going. And so I believe that failure is something we create in our minds that creates fear that holds us back from really going forward and achieving what we are meant to do. I agree. And I would say when I think about failure as being, if it is anything, what I would classify it as is also, and I I don't think people think about this, so that's why I'm going to bring it up. I think it's someone who is so inflexible that they have to have it their way. So they keep doing the same things. And it's almost like, I look at it like you're running into a brick wall, but if you and you keep trying to run through it and it's not going to go anywhere, the wall's much bigger and stronger than you are. But if you just step two steps to your right, you can walk through the door. That's right. But people don't want to move that way. They want to go through it where they want to go through it. To me, that's a difficult, very difficult place to be in. So if failure was such a thing, I would think not being able to adapt, not taking what, 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 you know, God is trying to tell you and utilizing it in a way that, you know, 
is going to be more productive or is the best way to utilize it. I think that's that's something I, difficult to see. I love the word you use, adaptability, right? So I think yeah. that adaptability is what knocks through, conquers fear and failure, right? Just adapting and saying, okay, how can I use what I've learned and what I've been taught in a different way? And usually something better comes from that. I mean, we all know that, but people who are locked in to truly being afraid of failure. And by the way, I work with clients who are more afraid of success than they are failure. And when I ask them, like, have you truly ever failed like big, catastrophically, disastrously, like the part that you're envisioning, the answer is no. But if they truly succeed, right, their life is going to change dramatically. How will people think about them? How will people look at them? What will people say about them? Will they have the same friends? Will they go to the same places for dinner? I mean, it really, they don't recognize it until I say it, but it's there. Well, to that point, here's my question too, that I think a lot of people subconsciously have, but don't consider. Is it worse to succeed and then lose it or to not succeed at all? Mm. From, well, from my, the, you know, within your own head. Is to succeed and lose it. I agree, but I, do you think all. a lot of people think that way? I do. Like, I think a lot of people maybe with that fear of success, they're like, well, if I succeed, then I have to maintain this. Now there's right. an expectation of me. Whereas mm -hmm. if I'm always trying and just not getting there, then at least I'm trying. And right. that's a win in and of itself. Right. I think well, that's there a mental already, game we play. Well, they, they think about 10 steps ahead and instead of just staying in the moment, right? So will I have to maintain it? Will it take a lot of work? Can I do it? You know, will I lose it? It's all about the future versus staying grounded in the present of what I'm doing and the success I'm creating today and just take it one step at a time. Yeah. Well, that, I think, and I think if I'm, you know, if you agree, social media and today's world of instant gratification has amplified that. I mean, that's always Absolutely. been around. What you just said has always been a thing, but in today's the extremely fast paced world where everything's at our fingertips any second of the day, I think it's really like put that on steroids, so to speak. Yep. I totally agree. And that's why we have people thinking they're failing when they're just doing the process, right? They're like, I'm a complete failure because I don't have what this person has reached over here, but that person is not at the same journey in the same place in the process. And so you're comparing something that is not even what you should be comparing to. I think it's amplified. It's actually disastrous. So, you know, I think this, this, social media world that we live in. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's putting their videos out there. Everybody looks like, you know, a starlet. They're not, right? They're just picking up the camera and they're doing it one day at a time. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, it makes me think of the example, like if you grab a lemon out of your fridge and you take a bite out of it, would you throw it and say that lemon's a failure because it's not sweet like the orange? No, <laughs> right. it's not supposed to be. That's what it is. Different so fruit. Yeah. So it's I think that's, that comparison game becomes dangerous because when you're trying to compare a lemon to an orange, yeah, they have some similarities, but they're not supposed to be the same. No, so not at all. That definition of success is completely different. Yeah. God created an orange to do one purpose and a, yep. and a lemon to do the other. And we need to recognize that. And I think that that is becoming self-aware and comfortable in your own skin you know, I describe it in very simple terms. I'm like, think about all the chicken restaurants that are around, right? Chick-fil-A, Lane's Chicken, Raising Cane's Chicken, Popeye's, Cane's, um, KFC. And the only common thread is the chicken. All of their recipes are different. All of their clientele is different. Their service experience is different. 
and there is more than enough for all of them to go around. What's your favorite chicken place? Mm-hmm. I really like Chick-fil-A, only because yeah. I have kids. <laughs> I do too. Chick-fil-A is a good one. I do. It's good. Um, so what I wanted to, before we go, I want you to tell us a little bit about Two Smart Girls because we hinted at it. We talked about it. That's right. what you're passionate about today. So really quickly, give us a quick uh, a quick intro to Two Smart Girls and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so Two Smart Girls actually began three years ago. I was asked to head up an assignment in Ethiopia, Africa, working with the largest African airline. And it was amazing. I was training and developing leaders over there. About 650 of them went through a program that I designed and developed. Um, But the story behind the Two Smart Girls is that 24 hours before we were supposed to go on a trip, they canceled out on us and said it wasn't going to work. And so we really could not. um, My husband said, are you going to get paid for the work? And as a consultant, you don't work, you don't get paid. And I, I really struggled. Like, is that a good partner? Do I ask for the money? Will they say no? Will they fire me? And when it came right down to it, my contract said that I had a 14-day cancellation policy. And I ended up asking for the money. It was $54,000. And his comment like changed my world. And he said, I just needed to hear you ask for it, which was big, right? I, all I needed to do was ask for it. And so I came back from that experience and I thought, oh my gosh, how many other women struggle with asking for what they want, both at home and at work. And I dug in and the research shows that 88% of female business owners make less than $100,000 a year. I know that's not because they're not good at what they do, not because of the economy, not because of money, not because of clients not being available. It is because they are afraid to ask for it. And coming out of the corporate world, we're really not nurtured or groomed to ask for what we want, right? We're, we're, We're conditioned to stay within the bounds. And you know, you get a 2% increase, you get a 3% increase, but you're really not taught how to negotiate for yourself. And so I felt like everything that I had learned over 20 years could help women transition from that corporate space into being a profitable and a successful entrepreneur. And we started Two Smart Girls. That's awesome. And uh, I love what you're doing with that. And I want to encourage people to go to twosmartgirls.com. That's the number twosmartgirls.com to see what Christy is up to and also connect with her on LinkedIn. She's very accessible and active there. So go check her out there. Christy, this has been so much fun chatting with you on the last couple of episodes. I know there's so much more we could talk about. We could keep going. So I'm going to have, we're going to have to have you back on and do that again real soon. Thank you so much. It has been such a delight and pleasure and I feel honored to be on today. So thank you. Hey everyone, I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. 
Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.